The House Oversight Committee obtained records showing Donald Trump price gouged the Secret Service at his hotels for at least $1.4 million of our taxpayer money, and the committee has asked for more records. Trump goes on an anti-Semitic rant about the Jewish community on his social media platform and lies that the National Archives lose nuclear secrets everywhere. One of the first employees at Trump's Truth Social has told the Securities and Exchange Commission that Trump media and the SPAC it is supposed to merge into engaged in fraud and other criminal conduct. Sex offender Ghislaine Maxwell thanks Donald Trump from prison in her first interview. Meanwhile, pro-democracy candidates take on MAGA Republicans in debates highlighted by Herschel Walker showing a fake police badge and not showing up to Sunday's debate. And Trump tells his supporters just now not to vote for the Republican candidate for senator in Colorado. We'll also bring you information from Tim Ryan's debate against J.D. Vance taking place right now where Tim Ryan is mopping the floor with J.D. Vance. And President President Biden's approval rating rises to 48% in a new poll from YouGov America. And and we've got Chelsea Handler on the show from the vaccinated and horny tour to make sense of it all. This is not a simulation, folks. This is the Midas Touch podcast joined by Jordy and Brett myself. You like that, Jordy? This is not a simulation. This is the Midas Touch podcast. That might be a new slogan for the show. Well, when you read those uh, topics of what we're going to be discussing, as I read them, I'm like, what in the world? What in the MAGA Republican extremist world is going on, Brett? How as are you? Jordy calls it, what in the MAGAverse is this? That's I know, I don't know. As, as, as Ben and I were uh, rehearsing before Jordy came on, uh, you missed this, Jay. Ben and I were just reading through all the topics for the day um, while you were, I guess, getting your bottle of wine, uh, which is your new thing, though. I like that, Jordy. It's, 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 you it's, need the wine on Thursdays, man. It's been a long week. It, it's a good. No one knows what's in here. It's water. No one knows what's in here. It could be anything. Um, but I love that uh, You know, ben, ben was just reading off the stories, and I was like how is this real life dude how is this real life every single day just brings us more craziness and the contrast as we will show you also in this episode with like what hard-working pro-democracy folks are actually doing for the people always just blows my mind when you have this normalcy versus chaos all in the mix and i'm excited to get into all the topics excited for chelsea handler fellas what a get great booking jordy incredible work out Thank there you. man Thank you. I really appreciate it. You know what? I got to give Chelsea so much credit, man. I wanted to say this during the interview with her, but I reached out to her about, you know, a little after the the general election last year in 2020. And she's like, hey, I'd love to come on. Let's wait until the midterms because I think it'll be more impactful if we do it then. Sure enough, a few days back, I reached out. I said, hey, Chelsea, um, midterms are coming up. You still want to come on? She's like, absolutely. And within an hour, we have the whole thing booked and ready to go. So she's really a person of her word. And I just totally respect the hell out of that. That's so good, Brett. And as you were saying, when you have these pro-democracy <laughs> Democrats on debate and the contrast between these mega, are you laughing that I just didn't acknowledge Jordy's point? And just yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if it was uh, on purpose or if it was uh, by design, but the, now I realize it, it was on design. Ben, would it be the first time Ben has an acknowledgement? <laughs> Let's get on with it, folks. The pro-democracy Democrats versus these MAGA extremists. Tim Ryan was telling J.D. Vance, he's like, 
Come on, man. We're running for the Senate here. Other than the president, this is the top office. And you're going around supporting Alex Jones, who's out there defaming the parents who lost their children in a school shooting. And you're saying that they're more that Alex Jones is more credible than Rachel Maddow when you're coming to Alex Jones defense. Come on, man. This is the Senate here, you know, and it's just such a great point. It's that we're talking about serious public off. We're talking about serious things here and serious topics. And this circus, this MAGA extremist, chaotic, dangerous, criminal world, it's not even a political thing. It's highlighted by what Trump just said before we went on the show. He is saying, do not vote for the Republican in Colorado. Do not vote for O'Day, who's running against against okay. Senator against Senator Bennett. He's saying there's this rhino character in the great state of Colorado, Joe O'Day, that is running against the incumbent Democrat for the United States Senate, who is having a good old time saying he wants to distance himself from the President Trump and other slightly nasty things. He should look at whatever, whatever. Good luck, Joe. And so, I mean, the MAGA extremists, they're not Republicans. I'll take they it. are. I'll take it. I will, and I hope people don't vote for the person. And Brett, wasn't that a race too that Politico said that that's Republicans were staking their chances of trying to win on that Colorado race, the Senate? And so Trump just goes right into it and tries to say, you know, don't do it. Because here's the thing, though, and 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 the Democrat there, uh, Senator Bennett, should win, um, and I think will win. But it's that you know eventually. Trump will come for you. And that's the thing that whether you're Mitch McConnell or whether you're Chris Christie or who you think that you can appease it, his entire life is about destroying people's lives. It's about criminality, bankruptcy, and destroying people's life. He is a succubus of energy and just destroys people. An incubus, not a suck. He's an incubus of energy and just destroys people. No offense to the band, Brett. I'm very, I need to look up succubus. I'm, I'm curious as to if that's a word, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, this was By the way, I think it's a word and I think it's an incredibly inappropriate word. So let's just move on from that one. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, Politico literally called this Colorado race. They, they ran this article, like, I think 12 hours ago or something to put it in perspective. The political article title was the sleeper state Republicans are targeting to win the Senate and how they were hoping that this Colorado seat was going to go red, even though Bennett has an eight-point lead on average in all the polls. They see Bennett having low approval ratings in the low 40s. They thought, okay, maybe we could have a sleeper win here, and that will be our key to winning the Senate. And not 12 hours later, does Donald Trump fire off the tweet calling him a rhino? And, be, and it's all because he basically said that he doesn't think Trump should run in 2024 and that the Republican Party should distance themselves from Donald Trump. Pretty simple things, pretty simple opinion to have. But like Ben said, you can't play in the Donald Trump world without getting burnt. And appeasement just seems to be in the blood of these Republicans and these MAGA Republicans. They appease Trump at every step of the way. They let him get away with murder. Like, literally, they let him get away with anything. And what you have is instead of like the second impeachment, when they actually had an opportunity to take him out of politics, they appeased him once again. And now they're allowing him to just terrorize them every single day, have all this control over the party when it could have been done. They could have moved on. They could have been independent. But no, they're too weak. They're too scared. And that's exactly Jordan. what it is. They're too weak and they're too scared. It blows my mind that 
people just haven't learned from others. I don't know, mistakes, I guess. Once you get too close to this guy, he will inevitably ruin you. It's happened time over time again, whether it's with his businesses or his business partners or his lawyers or, or whatever. Literally, just ask Rudy Giuliani what he's doing these days. It's, it, it blows my mind that people are still get sucked into this, to this Trump MAGA orange. It's crazy. And Jordy, speaking of which, like these issues, as I said, Brett, like it's not political in nature. Like when Trump was the president, he grifted and price gouged our secret service, the uh, what the government is supposed to pay. There's a government rate for what the rooms are supposed to cost when the secret service rents out rooms. And that rate is somewhere in the range of two hundred and fifty dollars a night at the maximum. Trump was having the Secret Service go into his Trump hotels and charging as much as $1,185 per night at least, so which was five times to six times what is recommended and what the government is supposed to do. And what we know about so far, 50 occurrences based on the House Oversight Committee getting these records, more than $1.4 million in hotel stays for Secret Service agents at Trump properties. And those are our taxpayer dollars. And that's what we know about to date. And then you have just the gaslighting because everybody remembers when Eric Trump had previously said that, oh, we don't even charge a secret service or it's for free or we do it at cost here at the Trump. Just a total snake oil salesman. Brett, do you have that video of Eric Trump in real time? Why is it not a conflict of interest to have the G7 at Trump National Doral? versus Camp David, where it's been in the past. Yeah, because we'd be doing it for nothing, and a lot of people love South Florida, and it's the right time of year for it, and we've got a spectacular property. You know, it's, it's No one denies it's spectacular, but just the, it just appears to be a conflict, doesn't it? You know, when they, when they do G7s, and you know, this is one other thing that people don't ever kind of give us credit for. Anytime the government comes and, you know, if, if my father travels, people, they stay at our properties for free, meaning like, you know, cost for housekeeping effectively because you actually have to legally charge government something. Um, so everywhere that, that he goes, if he stays at one of his places, the government actually spends, meaning it, it saves a fortune because if they were to go to a hotel across the street, they'd be charging 500 bucks a night, whereas, you know, we charge them like, you know, 50 bucks. <laughs> it's lies. the gaslighting, right, Brett? It's just lies and lies and lies <laughs> and more lies. Like, who, looks, the who, looks, who looks at that person up there with that shit-eating grin of his and basically is like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's I, I'm rooting for that guy. That guy represents me, the construction worker. That guy represents me, the family guy. That guy represents our interests as hardworking Americans. He's sitting there, shit-eating grin, ripping you off, taking your taxpayer dollars, and he's intimately and inextricably getting himself involved in our government via nepotism. It's like everything that should be wrong with this country. It's staring you in the face, Jordy. Well, well, and, and, and you're exactly right, Ben. This should annoy. This should literally infuriate everybody watching this right now. Because why? Because this is your money. This is your hard-earned money that they've now used and then overpriced our secret service to stay at their hotels. This is coming from you. This is coming from the working class. This is coming from your mothers, from your fathers, from your brothers, from your sisters. Send them this clip. Let them know that the family that grifts continues to grifts and they're stealing your hard-earned cash. 
Yo, Eric said that he charged him 50 bucks and they actually charged him $1,160 a room. So that's like a 23X or something uh, wrong valuation, which doesn't that sound familiar for what uh, Donald Trump is currently being uh, investigated for right now in New York, uh, not valuing his properties correctly? It seems to be a theme here. I wonder if that could be used in other circumstances. Literally every single thing that comes out of their mouth is a complete and utter lie. And you, if you think about it too, Brett, it's like, you know, again, it's not a, they shouldn't be viewed. There's not a conservative view. Let's steal from the government at Trump properties. That's not what, when's that? That's conservatism. I mean, it's the most absurd thing in the world. And I'm reminded, you know, over the weekend when Trump went on that anti-Semitic rant on his uh, social media platform, uh, Truth Social. I, I, I hate to read it, but I just want to point out to people just what it says. He says, no president has done more for Israel than I have. Somewhat surprisingly, however, our wonderful evangelicals are far more appreciative of this than the people of the Jewish faith, especially those living in the U.S. Those living in Israel, though, are a different story. Highest approval rating in the world could easily be prime minister. U.S. Jews have got to get their act together and appreciate what they have in Israel before it is too late. I mean, so anti-Semitism, a threat, and then pitting Jews against evangelicals and that evangelicals do their better supporters of him than Jews. Like in, it's dangerous. It is toxic. It is anti-Semitic. And, you know, as I always say, in the media's goldfish brain, they like move on from these stories. Like that person right. is the leader of the Republican Party. That that is who the Republicans say we are rallying behind this cult. And that person is saying that. And that's why the media needs to you know the media is like, well, if you buy their one excuse, we don't want to amplify. You're not amplifying it by calling it out and condemning it and saying how horrid and horrible it is because first they came for so and so and then they came for you. What I don't understand is like, I don't understand why any of these Republicans who appear on these channels ever get a pass when they go on these Sunday shows and they're there to talk about, I don't know, inflation or gas prices or whatever Chuck Todd always wants to talk about on those shows. They should not allow them to say really anything until they answer these questions because these or are don't allow them on the show or don't allow them on the show or kick them off right. after they refuse to answer the questions. But these are questions as the leader of the Republican Party, Donald Trump, saying these sorts of things. These are the questions that all Republicans need to answer answer for. And in the past, this is why it's different from in the past. In the past, if somebody said something like this in the party, it would generally be condemned. Sure, there would be some outlier voices who would be silent or maybe even agree with something that horrible. But on the whole, at least the leadership of even the Republican Party would condemn statements like this, even just like five, six years ago. But today, you just see silence. You don't see a single person speaking out. I, I, I basically sarcastically asked yesterday, is any Republican going to say anything about this? any of them. And I knew that they wouldn't. And none of them did. And it is just absolutely shameful what he's doing here. And he's using these anti-Semitic tropes that American Jews have this dual loyalty to Israel over America. And I, we've just seen firsthand 
what happens as a result of these anti-Semitic slurs hurled by Donald Trump and people like him. Even though they try to gaslight the public about this, we all remember the good people on both sides comment. Sure, Donald Trump at another point said he condemns white supremacy, but he said good people on both sides. That was his dog whistle or blowhorn at the time to white supremacists in Charlottesville. Then what we have to realize is that these have real world impacts anytime this sort of stuff happens. I know, for example, just like a story uh, that I know. So there was a synagogue by where I used to live and they started making it so that they would have guards, uh, basically like escorts to escort the elderly people into the synagogue um, every time they had services. Because after Trump became president and all this rhetoric was, was prevalent, they started to receive a lot of attacks. And we're seeing that around the country. I have a friend who's like a bodybuilder and a boxer and stuff, and he was recruited basically to protect these synagogues. He stands out there before services because that's how that's the real world impact of this rhetoric. And that's why it's so dangerous when you have Donald Trump, the leader of the Republican Party, espousing this rhetoric. That's why it's so dangerous when you have someone like Doug Mastriano running in Pennsylvania in the country. Commonwealth, who has taken support from people like the founder of Gab, the anti-Semitic person. That's why it's so upsetting when in the past week we saw Kanye West say that he was going to go, quote, death con three on Jewish people. We saw Marjorie Taylor Greene making her Soros conspiracies about Jeffrey Epstein. We saw Donald Trump statements. It's just a really dark and scary time right now for these people to be making these sorts of remarks. And it has to be called out. And wanna, at the same wanna... time, he's uh, yes, Jordy. No, I, I want to say this too. There's one commentator in specifically. So, so as you folks know who watch the show, we're, we're Jewish Americans. Um, ben Shapiro, the right wing, I don't know if you want to, you can't call him conservative, but the right wing talking head espouses these values of the Doug Mastrianos, of the Donald Trumps. He gives these people cover. And I hate saying his name, Ben Shapiro, because I hate giving him that acknowledgement on this channel. His name's Ben. Especially because his name's Ben, yeah. Yeah. The bad look for all bends, but it blows my mind too that all of a sudden this guy's given the mic where he could just continue to spew hate and and all for all for what Ben Shapiro for why are you making that much got, money off of this grift? He, the answer is he is. And while I got Ben Shapiro, you're stuck with Jim Jordan and yeah, Jim Brett's Jordan got Brett with, Kavanaugh. Well, Brett's not getting off the hook. Brett's got Brett Kavanaugh. So and look, Jim Jordan, Jordan don't, like don't do me like that, Jordy. Don't do me like that. Jim Jordan would likely be heading the House Judiciary Committee uh, if the uh, Republicans take power. I mean, how horrific is how horrific is that? The House Judiciary GOP Twitter account uh, tweeting out endorsements of Kanye after his anti-Semitic remarks the other week. I mean, they use that account as like an anti-Semitic hateful troll account. And it's the account of the House Judiciary Committee for the GOP. But when you model yourself in the image of a cult leader who you refer to as your orange Jesus, that this is the natural result of it. And what's the other statement that Donald Trump put out on his social media platform um, right before that anti-Semitic uh, post. He wrote NARA National Archives has lost massive amounts of information from past presidents, including classified and nuclear secrets all over the place. And they don't care. They only care about going after Trump, even though we've done everything right as per the Presidential Records Act and the Clinton Sox case. Okay, they've done literally everything wrong per the Presidential Records Act, including filing in the wrong court. So if you truly <laughs> believed 
that the Presidential <laughs> Records Act applied. Can you believe that? Which because you stole the records and didn't give it to the archives, the Presidential Records Act doesn't apply. But if you genuinely believed and you were deranged, but you said the Presidential Records Act applies here, the only court where a Presidential Records Act dispute can go into is the federal court in Washington, D.C. That has jurisdiction. You don't get to file it in front of your hand-picked stooge judge, Eileen Cannon in the Southern District of Florida, if you believe it's a Presidential Records Act issue. But you don't get to steal records, including our most top secret sensitive secured information, hide it at Mar-a-Lago, avoid the National Archives when they were asking you for the documents back, hide it from them, have lawyers submit false declarations, order your employees after you get a grand jury subpoena, hide the documents. Let's move them from the storage room. Yourself cherry pick like certain <laughs> documents to turn over and then go, I followed everything per the Presidential Records Act. And what this post goes to as well is his projection. You know there's freaking nuclear secrets all over the place. Yeah, at it's a straight up admission. That's that. a total admission. You know they are all over the place. Classify. First off, the, the, the NARA doesn't have nuclear secrets all over the place. And there's an article that he's basically citing from that the National Archives needed to improve certain cataloging that they did to avoid people like Donald Trump committing violations of the Espionage Act. It was a preemptive measure of how they could actually get and do things better. Nothing to do with nuclear secrets all over the place. And it just lie after lie. And then he cites this Clinton Sox case, which is this frivolous civil case that that guy Finton, who pretends to be a lawyer, he acts later, he runs Judicial Watch. Fitting, and he yeah. filed like 25 years after Clinton was out of office. And he sued the National Archives because he wanted to get access to notes that Bill Clinton kept from his autobiography, which was like the personal record notes, not government records, not classified records. And he sues 20. That's the sock case that they always like to talk about. Well, it's the same strategy with for being frivolous. It's the same strategy every single time. They find something that sound usually involving somebody's like family members, oftentimes a Clinton, let's be real. Then they like they mad libs it. So it's like Clinton, which which Clinton today? Chinese uh, spin restaurants, the wheel. Spin Chinese bowling alley restaurants bowling with Bush. Alley. I mean, it's all the same playbook. Everything's insane. <laughs> it, it, it's a weird game of MAGAverse mad libs that we continue to play each week. But the fact of the matter is, if the if the quote unquote mainstream media is not going to talk about it, I mean, we have to talk about these issues because it's vital to our democracy that we all call this out for what it is. And it's and nonsense and it's bullshit from the leader of the Republican Party. And the National Archives has already called all this out before. They've already debunked it. They released the whole statement and they like never release statements like this, but they had to call it out because he's going and gaslighting the public and trying to lie. I think all these statements are an admission just constantly. He's just constantly admitting to his crimes. Uh, you have the guy from uh, Colorado uh, telling Trump that he uh, shouldn't run for president and Trump getting upset. But there's not all bad news for Trump is where I'm leading to this because there are still some people saying positive things about Donald Trump these days. And I think it's important that we also share the good news because we hit on this earlier in the intro. But guys, you guys remember the uh, 
infamous sex trafficker who was sentenced to 20 years in prison, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, who, you know, worked alongside a man named Jeffrey Epstein, who Donald, who uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene actually used in her Soros conspiracy that we spotted earlier. Have you heard of this uh, little story? I think I've heard of her. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody remembers when Donald Trump wished Ghislaine Maxwell well uh, in like the weirdest response to an answer about Ghislaine Maxwell being sentenced to prison. He we all have remember answered those anything. Words. I anything. condemn it. It's despicable. His response about what do you want to say to Ghislaine Maxwell? You say you are a sick and depraved person who deserves to be put in prison for the rest of your life. That's all you have to say or don't comment. He goes, you know what? I really wish her well. Because let's be honest here, and not a lot of people want to say that, but they were like really good friends. Like everybody knows they were really good friends and that Trump was really good friends with Epstein and admired Epstein, looked up to Epstein as like his guy, as his idol about how to like be with women and like, like look at the footage of Donald Trump bending over or making Jeffrey Epstein buckle over in laughter at that party from that NBC news footage back in the day. I mean, and, and you have like Trump's biographer and all these people who said that Trump would just look up to Epstein. Epstein was his guy. So though, let's be clear about where I'm headed with this. Ghislaine Maxwell in her first interview from prison, she interviewed, this is, I believe it was a, a CBS uh, news interview that's going to air on Paramount Plus. Uh, they got Ghislaine Maxwell's first interview from a Florida prison, and she brought up a few people. She brought up Prince Andrew, and one of the people who Ghislaine Maxwell brought up, and this is really breaking hot off the press right now, is Ghislaine Maxwell brought up Donald Trump. And when I it was sent this uh, Jordy uh, flagged this for me before I thought it was a parody. I was like, that's not real. Come on. And, and then he's like, no, Jordy, stop sending me onion articles. Hey, I thought I legitimately thought it was an onion article, but let's bring up Ghislaine Maxwell's comment. Maxwell also th- said she's thankful to Donald Trump for wishing her well after her arrest for helping traffic underage girls, which said gave her a quote, big boosts. I was very touched. This is a quote. I was very touched that he would remember me and that he would wish me well, she said. And I was very touched by his remembrance of me. Yikes. I mean, what else could you say? I mean, I mean, what else could you say is, is it's an admission right there that, that they were as good of friends as, as, as you were explaining, Brett. I mean, you know how people have tells when they have like ticks or something and they're saying something. She, I, I guess that was a verbal tick. Saying yeah, that, oh, I, oh my God, I'm so happy that he remembered me. I can't believe that this person remember. How many times does she have to be shocked of Donald Trump's remembrance of her for it to just be like obvious that they're best friends? And I'm sure <laughs> she was I'm sh- much deeper than she's letting I'm, on. I'm sure she was very touched by it. Is is all I will add. I to I got to talk about the whistleblower. <laughs> Uh, case where the uh, individual, one of the first employees at Truth Social, says that he was there, knows that Trump was engaged in securities violations. We also got to talk about the Bannon sentencing memorandum that was filed today. And of course, we got to bring in Chelsea Handler. But first, I want to talk about our next partner, which has a product that I use literally every day. And I'm talking about Athletic Greens. What is Athletic Greens? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging 
all things. Before I took this athletic greens powder, I would take a bunch of pills and gummies as my vitamin regimen, and it was not working out at all. But with athletic greens, I take this one scoop de dupe of this green powder, mm-hmm. I put it in a cup, I pour water in, I shake it up. It tastes great. It's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Um, it's affordable, tastes great. I love it. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free, it's for you. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing yeah. in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And like me, tons of people take some kind of multivitamin and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially in flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Midas. Again, that's athleticgreens.com dot com slash Midas and take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I truly love my athletic greens. And if you want to support independent media like this, what you need to do as well is check out our Patreon website at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. We're not funded by any outside investors at all. We are fueled by democracy and powered by you. There are a number of exclusive benefits you can get at our Patreon website, including you could become an honorary producer of the Midas Touch podcast and your name gets to appear on the podcast. Don't worry. You don't have to put in any work, but your name appears. You'll get a poster for it. We also send you postcards. You get exclusive podcast clips and videos, other behind the scenes footage and more. Become a patron today, please, at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. No matter where you are in the world, you can join and check out while you're at it store.midastouch.com get the official Midas gear at store.midastouch.com that's store.midastouch.com show the world you are unapologetically pro democracy now brett go into this whistle wait we dropped new merch today just letting everybody go know if you go to the store right now you can see the brand new merch we haven't even told anyone exclusive to y'all watching this right now new merch drop don't miss that New merch drop. And what's also dropping is a whistleblower complaint against Donald Trump with the Securities and Exchange Commission. It was filed over the summer. We're learning about it now from someone by the name of Will Wilkerson, who by all accounts is a Trump supporter. He's someone who you know worked for right-wing media. He joined Truth Social as one of its very first employees. And he's got the receipts. He's got the emails. There's one story where Trump was demanding that the founder of Truth Social, who brought Will Wilkerson in, this guy named Latinsky, Trump, I think Adam or Andrew Latinsky or something like that, Trump told Latinsky, he's like, this was in March, you need to give your shares to Melania. So the shares that you earned and you worked for, you better give that to Melania. And this Latinsky guy was like, even if I wanted to, 
it's going to cost me so much tax taxes yeah. if I were to gift it to her and I don't have the money to pay for it. Trump's like, I don't care. I'm taking you off the board. We're bringing in Nunez and Nunez's crew to replace you on the board. And there are contemporaneous emails with this. But one thing this whistleblower complaint shows, though, is that there were communications between Trump media and digital world acquisition company before the announcement of the SPAC. And the merger was actually supposed to take place with another entity controlled by that guy, Patrick Orlando, but it didn't have enough money. So they were like, okay, let's create digital world acquisition company for the sole purpose of merging with this Trump media group, which had no revenue, no EBITDA, no finances, didn't make the disclosures that you have to by law make, which would be if that occurred and the receipts seemed to be there 100% illegal and like the biggest violation of like, it's the biggest no-no when it comes to SPACs, what you can't do. Because a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company, also known as a blank check company, is supposed to be a blank check. Investors put money into it, then they go out to try to identify a private company to merge with and bring public. They're not allowed to have the target before you IPO, before you IPO your SPAC. So uh, very, very, very serious accusations by Will Wilkerson here. Who knows? Latinsky, the fact, but it has all of the qualities of a Trump uh, organization, right? It's like a combination of illegality. They don't pay their bills like their main vendor, the hosting vendor. Uh, was owed like $2 million. You have incompetence. They didn't get the name Truth Social. They didn't trademark it. They have like an empty office in Florida with like no employees. You've got the infighting. I mean, he can't run anything. He never could run anything. Every one of his businesses went bankrupt. Like he is the worst, the single worst <laughs> business person that there is masquerading as this like deal maker who's like the worst deal maker. And then, Ben, you left out the best part, too. The, then they also have the fall guy. I guarantee you this Will Wilkerson was supposed to be some sort of fall guy. He, they, they asked him to give his shares away to Melania. You know what I mean? There's always, always that one. Yeah, you always have the fall guy, Jay. What are you saying? Sorry for interrupting you, Jordy. No, no interrupt me. That's fine. Is that it? I know. I, I was wondering, uh, too, like, it, what Trump... It's going to be a larger point, but Ben ruined my train of thought, so that's fine. Don't worry about it. Well, I just wonder, like, you know, it's just a weird sort of transferring of assets to have it go from him to Melania. So I wonder if Trump is trying to, like, hide assets in that weird way. Is like, it's, it's just all, bizarre. It's, the whole thing it's is weird. weird. It's Melania's NFT grift. It's it, it's all it's all transfer of money. It's all hiding money. And then they all get exposed. It happens every time. It's like- it's weirder because the composition of Trump media, Trump already had 90 percent of that company himself. So the other 10% was shared by the founders. So you're asking the founders who had 10% when you already have 90. Like if you have 90, Trump, give some of your 90 to whoever you want to give your 90 to. The founders just had 10. But that goes to the point we said from the beginning, which is if you're going to do business with this person or engage with him in any way, he's going to screw you over. He doesn't give a shit about you. That's what he's done his entire life. And that's what always perplexes me, though, about the cult, that there is this kind of sadistic, sadist-like attitude where it's like, 
They know that he's an abuser. They know, or they should know by now after the record, and they can't extract themselves from it. But that's also why here at the Midas Touch Network, I do these videos about people leaving the MAGA cult and coming over to join the pro-democracy coalition. And I do the videos in a very, and I do it in a very specific way also to let people know that I'm not, I don't want to condemn them. Like I feel that they've been tricked. I feel they are victims and that they have been deceived. And I understand that they've supported someone for a long time who's done a lot of horrible things. And it's hard to extend an olive branch sometimes when people do such horrific things and say such horrific things. But I also want to make sure that we are deprogramming these cult members. And the only way to do it is to also listen and to be a shoulder to have these important conversations with. And I would just be remiss if we didn't mention that the sentencing memorandum in Steve Bannon's case, of course, he was convicted of two counts of contempt of Congress uh, over the summer, and the government was seeking and is seeking the maximum allowed by the sentencing guidelines. And so when you sentence somebody, there are these guidelines. And for this particular offense, even though it's a misdemeanor and there are two counts, so there was a possible two-year sentence, the sentencing guidelines, even for the most egregious conduct in terms of imprisonment, recommend at the highest peak six months, which is obviously less than two years, but it's more than, you know, the the minimum. And so people are like, well, why did the government do that? And why would they do that? And I think they knew that the judge, Judge Nichols, who they're in front of, is a Trump appointed judge. The government rarely, if ever, seeks more than what the sentencing guidelines would ever be. And because it's still a misdemeanor offense, although we wouldn't like it to be a misdemeanor offense, contempt of Congress is. If they were to seek two years, I think they thought strategically with this judge, it would backfire. And of course, we know that Bannon is also being prosecuted in New York Uh for felonies, for his build the wall or we build the wall scam, the state versions of those charge, which carry with itself many, many, many more years. So I think what the government's thinking is, let's put this man in jail. Let's set a precedent to put him in jail, actually make sure he's locked up. And then we could deal with him or the state will deal with him in New York. I want to go to our big interview, but any comments you want to make, Brett and Jordy, before I do? No, I'm I'm going to be happy. Uh, the sentencing is this Friday, right? The the actual sentencing for Bannon. So uh, we'll be keeping you up to date on all of that. And no, I'm glad you explained that. I think also, you know, we've generally seen this entire Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, they're trying to do every single thing by the book. And and Merrick Garland has said this every step of the way. You know, they're not going to give higher than uh, the recommendations. They're not going to give lower than the recommendations. And that's kind of across the board how Merrick Garland has conducted himself. So it's no surprise here that they they had a max recommendation for Bannon. That's what he said. And uh, you know, we'll see what the other crimes are that they end up. Uh, you know, w- what happens in the other trials and stuff. But this, unfortunately, uh, contempt of Congress is a misdemeanor, and it's really not a big crime. As you know, the one thing I would look for on Friday, which I will candidly share concerns for Bannon in his sentencing memo asked for a stay of his prison sentence pending his appeal on this very technical issue regarding an advice of counsel 
uh, defense that he wasn't allowed to bring in based uh-huh. on a 1961 precedent in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals that Judge Nichols uh, followed in that case. And because it deals with a complex technical issue over the definition of willfulness and a contempt of Congress charge um, and the I, and the definition of willfulness has been changed in other circumstances um, regarding other crimes. I am a little worried that Judge Nichols may stay the sentencing pending a petition to the D.C. Circuit and ultimately the Supreme Court. But I am confident that if those are exhausted, Judge Nichols has been someone who's followed the law and will likely give some prison term. Jordy, you're smiling because you don't get that legal analysis anywhere else, huh? You I'm, come- smi- I'm smiling for two reasons. That's excellent legal analysis. You come analysis for Jordy, right you there. get the legal analysis. But, but, but also, you, you just can't control yourself. It's, it's, it's amazing. You were tossed at the Brett, and then you said, Brett, Jordy, any last words before we get into the interview? And then before I could even get a breath out, you started in this deep dive. Okay, legal so you intro- Jordy, you just... You- you just had, well, Jordy, you just had your opportunity and you'd wasted it complaining. So, Ben, I'm just kidding. What do you want to say? Let's let's say Jordy, you want to intro Chelsea? I would love to. Without further yeah. ado, here's our interview with the one and only Chelsea Handler. <laughs> we are joined by someone who needs no introduction. Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler, welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. Hello, brothers. Good morning. Good morning, Chelsea. So I want you to take us back to 2017. You make the decision to leave the Chelsea show to pursue political activism. It was important for you to travel the country. What did you learn during that period of time? And just take us through why you made that decision so we get context on where we are now as a country. Well, I guess, you know, Donald Trump being elected was a pretty big uh, blow to many of us who had been living in our own bubbles for a long time, myself included. And I just couldn't understand. I couldn't believe it. I was like, how did we elect this baboon? And why am I going to be forced to look at Ivanka Trump's veneers and the rest of the family's (laughs) vampire faces for uh, four years? I just could not understand. And so I was in a state. I was really just like, I couldn't work. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. All I could do was watch CNN, MSNBC and Fox News on a rotation. And I decided to do this like tour where I went around the country talking to conservatives and and like middle America to understand what was happening. And then I did, you know, you I would talk to like, you know, I remember talking to this lesbian uh, in who lived in Michigan who had voted for Donald Trump. And I was like, what? Like, how could you vote (laughs) against yourself in that way? And she's like, he just stands for, you know, I just feel like this country is being invaded by immigrants. Like she had this mentality that was like, you know, uh, like paradoxical to like her way of life. And I was so naive of me to think that just because you are uh, in a marginalized group, you would automatically understand that Donald Trump is like for not for you, you know? And so I got a better, like, you know, all the people who hated Hillary Clinton, how much they couldn't vote for her because it just couldn't, you know, they just didn't like her, like as if that's what, you know, and they like Donald Trump, you know, like people who had, they couldn't vote for her. Like you didn't realize how, uh, I guess I didn't realize because I've had a very successful career. I didn't realize that the sexism and how rampant it is, you know, until you kind of come to face with it on your own. Sometimes you don't understand it. And so seeing that and realizing that I just couldn't help myself, you know, um, and I wanted, it's all I cared about really was making sure that he didn't get reelected. So I did a lot of time, like, you know, a lot of activism around 
that and around making sure that that didn't happen again in the next four years. You know, and then I also got to a point where you realize how to kind of more judiciously use your voice. Screaming and yelling is like at your own followers isn't really changing anyone's mind. And screaming and yelling isn't changing anyone's mind, period. You know, like there are more effective ways to go about activism. And for me, it was like, okay, learning when to actually contribute something or um, insert myself versus just across the board, like I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, you know, yell and scream until something changes i had to have like a come to grips with myself about like what when are you being effective and when are you just giving you know the right fodder to bitch and moan about people like you and when did you find those times to be appropriate when to assert yourself how to judiciously use your time what did you learn through that journey less is more <laughs> less is more and do it effectively in a funny calm charming way rather than screaming and yelling i mean that pretty much is applicable to anything to not scream and yell it really gets helps get your point right. across more you know when you, you talk about how how did the if to look at these people's vampires face in the white house i mean could you imagine though just how i mean for me i thought it was going to be bad but even during those four years, I just still hoped for the sake of the country. I was like, just please do a good job, Trump. Like, I know I dislike you, but like, just step up and help. I couldn't imagine how bad it got with the crescendo being the January 6th insurrection and literally trying to overturn our democracy. Did you think it was going to get that bad back in 2017 when you left? I mean, no, I don't think so. I didn't. I wasn't looking that far into the future. I just I remember talking to somebody who was really politically connected and them saying, well, he, we were talking about Roe v. Wade and they and she was a woman. She's saying, oh, he'll never you know, Donald Trump's a liberal. He's never going to he's not you know, he's pro choice. And I remember thinking he's we don't know what he is. He changes it. You know, he changes his stripes at whatever, you know, with whatever suits him. So it wasn't like and then, you know, look where we are today. I, I remember like looking at her and I this is somebody I really trusted whose opinion I trusted. And I remember thinking, you don't know what's going on either. Like no one knows what's going to happen right now. And that's what was so scary about it. And the lack of just, you know, the lack of decorum. I mean, you want to look at your president and have a little bit of respect for them. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It just felt so like America can be so embarrassing anyway with our denial of history and our lack of accountability for like the very thing, you know, by building this whole country on the backs of black people. Like that's already a hot mess. So to have somebody come in and like make us a bigger joke in a sense than we already were to many, many countries across the world, it was it was just like, oh, my God, you know, I, now America has gone and elected this baboon. Now what are we going to say to people? And how is this going to affect my international travel? <laughs> and then I've just been pretending I'm Canadian ever since that election, whenever I go anywhere. But they can tell with my New Jersey twang that it's not a Canadian accent. You know, and as as you pointed out to your friend, I mean, we don't know where he stands on any issue, but he's an extremist. He's a sadist. He seems to like taking away people's freedoms and harming people. And nowhere do we see that more the case than 
bringing these three additional extremist right wingers to the Supreme Court who have just made the most horrific decisions, whether it's vitiating the separation of church and state, whether it's allowing proliferations of weapons of war, you know, within our schools or the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And I know that you've been very, very outspoken since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Can you speak to just this radical Supreme Court and the efforts that you're doing since Roe's been overturned to let Americans know what, what what's happening? Well, I think that uh, a lot of people didn't think that was going to happen, even when the court documents were leaked. Uh, I remember talking with a friend and he was like, no, they're never going to overturn Roe v. Wade. I'm like, it's on, it's already out there. It's happening. Like these documents were leaked. It's it's a done deal. Yeah. And the denial, I think, was just so, you know, I think that's the whole problem. People are not willing to deal with the reality at face value. Like we're we're in a situation, of course, this was a lead up. Like you can ask these justices any questions you want before they get sworn in and they're going to say whatever they need to say to get that position. And it, we weren't in a position to block them anyway because we're not acting like Mitch McConnell, which is, you know, a, something to also consider for the Democratic Party. You know, we, we, we act like fish sometimes. It's just like, come on, you know, you, you're fighting with a bunch of lunatics. So let's start acting like lunatics also. Um, to some degree, at least, at the very minimum. Uh, and so I think it was an education. You know, what happened in Kansas was really kind of, oh, okay, because yeah. those, that, those are Republican women also voting, saying, no, we want our daughters to be able to have safe abortions. No one's ever going to stop having abortions in this country. It's a matter whether or not you're going to be allow them to live through them or they're going to have a chance to die because they couldn't, you know, carry a baby full term or they didn't want to have a baby full term. So it was and I think it was also a wake up call for men in a big way, because, you know, we've been fighting this fight for women. We just won the right to decide what we want to do with our bodies around 50 years ago. And they are sitting here taking it away from us today. And this is a fight that women have fought so much and men can stand behind us in a passive way and say, of course, we're on your side. But it, it was an it's an actual men need to stand up and fight next to us. You know, we can't do this by ourselves. You have to stand with us. It's in your best interest that we have access to that kind of health care as well. And, um, you know, after all, men are the one in ones impregnating women in case anyone forgot mm -hmm. that's how it happens so it's been a very kind of i think it's been a great wake-up call we're going to see in the midterms my hope is that this shakes itself out in the midterms people are going to show up to vote because of this and i think the republicans understand that they may have overstepped by overturning roe v wade and why they're not moving forward so quickly on the other cases that they want to overturn i think that that is you know obvious and i think this election is a time to put that put the you know brakes on all of that so we'll see what happens in november but yeah, I mean, now everybody knows exactly what Donald Trump was all about. You know, the Republican Party has been trying to overturn Roe v. Wade for decades. And they have also, you know, it's just like Russia has been trying to infiltrate America for decades. And guess what? He got in with Donald Trump just like he wanted to. And now it's like COVID, the disinformation or the misinformation, I should say, all of the shit that's out there yeah. and all of these QAnon groups and all of these conspiracy theorists and all this nonsense is Russia. And 
And and it's exactly what Hillary Clinton predicted. Yeah. So we didn't want her as president, but I guess she could be a palm reader or she has ESP. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she has ESPN. I think, as you say, there's lots of people who are trying to close their eyes to the reality and why she would have been such a good president um, was she always was very open eyed. She knew how to confront the situations and she knew how to address real problems that were confronting us. And as I always say here, I'm not a Democrat because I love like Democrats and the donkey logo and what a great team. You know, I don't view it that way. I view they're the only adults in the room right now who are just trying to solve problems and they don't always get get it right. And I disagree a lot of times with the way they go about it. I like them to move further on some issues, but at least they're dealing with it like uh, adults. And, you know, look, I got to hand it to Biden coming in because he's exceeded my expectations, frankly, with the various pieces of legislation, whether it's the Infrastructure Act, whether it's the CHIPS Act, whether it's the recent pardoning of, uh, of, of individuals convicted of marijuana, simple possession of marijuana. It just I could go on and on and on with the list. But I think he's done a lot with very little. What do you think about what he's done and what the Democrats have done so far? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that he is, you know, listen, he's not sitting there idly. You know, he's actively trying to do, you know, to people are very mis, un, misinformed about all of this stuff. Like he's not, you know, saying he's I had someone tell me like I don't I, I was talking to a conservative and he's like, for I go, give me the things that you are upset about right now. And they're like gas. And I'm like, Biden is not in control of gas prices. This is an oil production issue. There is a war going on. This is much deeper than a president going, I think I'm going to make gas $7 an hour. Like, that's not what he's doing. So people are don't even know what the hell they're talking about. And myself included on many occasions. But when I don't know what I'm talking about, I do the research to find out or I have somebody explain it to me in a right. way that I can understand. So it's very frustrating when people are constantly going off about Biden. I mean, young people especially can't stand him, you know, because they all are Bernie supporters and they're pissed still about Bernie not being elected. Um, like nieces and nephews of mine in particular, we have this conversation all the time. Um, but I, I do think Biden, you know, it did feel for a while like, oh my God, what's happening? Why isn't he doing more? And then you see what he's doing. And listen, that war that's happening in Ukraine, he is doing a hell of a lot to quell like you know global affairs and and like keep the peace i mean his outreach with all of these european nations and working in concert with them to supply ukraine with everything that they could you know use is huge but of course nobody gives a shit about that because everyone's worried about their own pocketbook and they're worried about the state of affairs and i get that you know what i mean if you have five kids and you're working two jobs you care about gas prices too yeah. um so it's not like he can do you know i guess I guess as the president, you might expect him to take care of everything, but I think he is trying and he is, you know, when, when we do get bad news, he does retaliate, retaliate, like, you know, when the Saudi thing happened and he announced the marijuana pardoning, like, okay, he is being strategic and saying, Hey, okay, we lost this. Let me give you this. And, and I like that. I like it to be transparent like that. You know what I mean? To, to see it in front of you instead of behind the scenes and not know about it. And, um, and I think when he's dealing with with Republicans right now is, you know, Joe Manchin and Kristen and Kirsten Cinema are both can go fuck themselves. You know, I mean, I just can't even after everything that happened with the Republican Party after January 6th and the deniers of election results, that amount of them that are running in the midterms is 
so scary. Like based on that information alone, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema should be just siding with Democrats because the Republicans overstepped so badly and they're so out of control. Yet they are just thinking about their own reelections in their own states and their appeal instead of doing the right thing, which is exactly why you were elected and why you took an oath, you know, in office, you know, for Joe Manchin not to be on, on board with green energy when we're watching the whole fucking world flood and fire is ridiculous, you know, uh, and and not making the conversion into into renewables is just it's it's so insulting to the right like to the planet. It's like these people care about the planet as long as they're here and they're not worried about the future. I mean, I don't have children, so I don't have a future to worry about necessarily. And I care. So what's your excuse, Joe Manchin? Yeah, I think that QAnon kind of strain that you were just speaking about, I, I, to me, I, I, I don't understand why all Americans aren't turned off by that. Then the Republican kind of acceptance and embrace of that into their own ideology. One of the things that I loved about what you do is like, you're not afraid to put yourself out there. You don't stay in your own bubble. You go out there and you're having conversations with people when you're on tour. Uh, in your show, you had that great episode on racism where you actually confronted people and, and spoke to people about race in, in a real honest way. Um, but that was even back before QAnon really took a hold in that party. So I, when you were speaking to people then, did you see the beginnings of kind of this QAnon ideology? Um, I, I mean, it seems like things have gotten worse since then, yeah? Yeah, no, I didn't see that then. I mean, I see it now. I mean, I have friends who will say really dumb things to me, you know, about pizza parlors and and like a pedophilia. And I'm just like, who, what chat room are you in? Like, get off of it immediately. <laughs> and listen, likewise, when Donald Trump got elected, I was in some Facebook or Signal. Oh, no, that was before Signal. But I was on some face. I was in some Facebook group and I was getting email. I mean, there was this group about Donald Trump being like extracted from the White House and that, you know, Mueller had all this stuff on him and it was just a matter of time before he was going to get removed and that there was this whole like behind the scenes uh, maneuvering happening that was and I mean, I believed that until they predicted a date that it was going to happen and swore to everyone in this chat room that it was on. And then that date passed. And I was like, OK, I'm out of this group because I'm not a moron for that long. Like I'll be a <laughs> moron for a little bit. But once something doesn't come to fruition, it's time to stop believing in that. And with these QAnon people, I mean, they have predicted date after date after date. JFK is alive. I mean, JFK is going to be the president. JFK Jr. is going to be the president. Marilyn Monroe is going to be the president. I mean, it's just all so dumb. And the I, the lack of critical thinking with regard to reading and the fact that you have to now check your sources and find out if what you're reading is true and that people think the New York Times is erroneous or prints false stories like on purpose and with no accountability, like that kind of stuff is really an erosion you know, of democracy. And that's exactly what they intended because it's not just Donald Trump and it's not just Republicans. It's the infection of Russia. And that is yeah. the bigger issue that people keep glossing over and keep glossing over. They think it's only about Donald Trump wanting power. It's like, no, he, this is a man who's been like, who's being like, he's a puppet. It's funny that you say that because I, I was speaking to Ben the other day about this. I said, I don't think people totally understand how much Russia has its claws into the Republican Party and how much they are really feeding all this disinformation that's going. I mean, it's no surprise that when Putin gives a speech in Russia, that it sounds exactly word for word like a MAGA speech, like word 
forward of, of what we're hearing there. And when you have a little toddler who has a small penis and looks up to a big strong man who he thinks has a bigger penis, what I mean, we may as well be having third grades run the entire world, third graders run the entire world. I mean, Donald Trump is so simplistic and so basic that that's why he looks up to Putin. I have a Russian sister-in-law, by the way, who's a Russian loyalist. Like she believes Russia is the motherland and that Crimea and Ukraine yeah. all want to be in, they want to go back to Russia. She doesn't believe any, she, she believes that, you know, all of this devastation in Ukraine is by Ukrainian insurgents because she listens to Russian state propaganda every single day. So these people, these people are brainwashed, you know, uh, and when you hear like live accounts of these, of Ukrainians, and what they're going through. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's maddening. It's just maddening that anyone would look to Putin and think that's a strong leader. Yeah, and let's talk about, you know, more simple-minded people who kind of bow down to strongmen. I think the latest example that we've been seeing publicly, which hurts me as as a former fan, is Kanye West. I mean, what do you make of Kanye's recent statements, this, this anti-Semitism that keeps coming from him? Uh, I just think he's, you know, in one of his episodes, and I, I Yes, it's very dangerous. I, I personally don't take Kanye seriously, so I don't really care what he's saying, but I understand the damage that it's doing and that some people do take him seriously. And I think he needs to probably get back on his meds, it sounds like. I mean, that's the problem, right, with bipolar disorder. Isn't that what he has? Yeah. So, and it feels like they, these people are using him, right? Like when he's on Tucker Carlson's show, when he's being amplified. I think it speaks volumes that nobody on the right, nobody in this Fox News kind of right-wing echo chamber gave a shit about Kanye until he started spouting off these conspiracy theories and and this right-wing hate. Like, do you yeah. think that they're kind of using him in that way? Yeah, I do. And I don't know if he's using them also. I mean, Kanye's like a genius when he's not losing it. Yeah. So I don't know if this is some sort of behind the scenes, you know what I mean? Machiavellian grab for power, or if this is to set Kim up to do something and save the day. I, I'm not really clear on the ins and outs, like if it's high level like that, or if That'd it's just- That'd be real high level shit. <laughs> well, it was, you know, when somebody introduced me to um, this woman on TikTok called the Kardashian colloquialum, colloquialum? It's not colloquialism, but it's spelled with a K, colloquialism. Anyway, this woman is like very meta and she anal anal analyzes, analyzes, <laughs> she analyzes all like everything that Con Kim and Kanye and Kris Jenner are doing and like their effect on the world and on culture. And you're like, oh no, <laughs> like it's more serious than I thought, you know? And she thinks that like Kim one day is going to run for president and that all yeah. this justice reform everything is leading up to that and that Kanye and Chris are the masterminds behind this whether in concert or separately anyway I watched a, bu a bunch of them yesterday and I then I had to get a massage because I was so stressed out <laughs> that's that's quite the rabbit hole to go down I'll have yeah, to yeah. Uh, I'll have to check out that TikTok after we chat um but speaking of you know real serious reforms that are helping people I, I want to go back to what Ben hit on earlier because I know this was a big issue for you for a long time marijuana reform decriminalization legalization I remember you wrote an op-ed in time in 2019 that was super powerful and then you posted a thank you of sorts after uh, President Biden announced uh, his marijuana reform you wrote this one's for you at Joe Biden you posted a photo of yourself in, in your pool with a marijuana print bathing suit holding a joint why has this become such an important issue for you and, and why should more Americans care and really understand the gravity of this decision by President Biden on marijuana 
Because if you know the genesis of, you know, if, if you know, if you're aware of the genesis of the criminalization of cannabis, then you would be, you know, you're in an uproar because it was, it's just to keep people of color behind bars. It's a reason. I mean, we're talking about a plant that grows out of the ground and alcohol is free flowing, you know, throughout the entire world. Yet cannabis has this stigmatization that it's terrible and it's going to make you, you, you know, go, like it's, it's criminal. It's, there's nothing criminal about cannabis. Cannabis. It comes from Mother Nature. And so like the lack of education around cannabis and the stigmatization of people like, you know, using weed and being potheads. It's like, first of all, I've written six number one New York Times bestsellers and I'm high most of the time when I'm writing. So <laughs> the idea that you are stupid. I mean, listen, it's not for children and it's not to be abused. Let's just say that. OK, I've, I've, I've smoked it as a child and I've abused it. So I speak from experience. It is something that can help your creativity. It's something that can help people relax. It's something that can help people sleep. It's way better than anything the pharmaceutical industry is offering up. Okay. Mm. There's no, like, there are so many upsides to cannabis and the injustice, the, the injustice of all of the people that have suffered, have suffered at the hands of cannabis is, is, is infuriating. So that aspect of things is even more of an impetus to be loud and outspoken about it. And if enough people are loud and outspoken about something, look what happens. You know, he just decriminalized it and he just pardoned all those people. Like, let's go. Now let's go on to, you know, let's make sure this is a national thing and let's make move on to other substances like, you know, other plant-based medicine like psilocybin and all the things that are going to help people recover yeah. instead of, you know, very um, not like thoughtfully understanding all of the benefits it's like you know totally. it's, it's a very cut and dry based on race decision there's nothing judicious about it it's just like how do we keep some people down and keep some people Absolutely. you know up and and then you know that's that chelsea something that we hit on earlier in this interview is that you're famously from new jersey i'd like to get your take on someone else who's also famously from new jersey and that's dr oz who's <laughs> invaded the commonwealth of pennsylvania where i live and is running for senate here this one's slightly disturbing a, a story resurfaced recently about dr oz when he was at columbia university uh he was leading a study that eventually led to like the death of 329 dogs I mean, what's your take Ugh. on why Dr. Oz is even running for Senate in Pennsylvania, being that he's from New Jersey and that horrific story? Well, Oprah's semi-responsible for introducing us to Dr. Oz because that's where he also Dr. Phil. We'll get to him in a second, but he's not an immediate threat <laughs> since he's not running for Senate. But yeah, Dr. Oz is a complete asshole and 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 he should I mean, that guy, I hope. I mean, he's running against Fetterman, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, Fetterman's gaining traction and, and let's hope that sticks because, uh, yeah, Dr. Oz, I mean, I don't, I, 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 it's amazing to watch these people flip, you know, just the way you're running the campaign you're running on, you know, he was eschewing Donald Trump years ago, four years ago, and all of a sudden is on the Trump train. Like when people change their opinions so quickly, I don't understand how you can respect a politician when somebody doesn't have a backbone, which seems to be like the running theme in the Republican party. And sometimes 
sometimes the Democratic Party too, uh, you know, this lack of spine and this lack of gumption and like, how can you just turn around if somebody who said something terrible about you, your family, or didn't, you know, disgrace the entire country, how you can just come around and say, okay, I'm going to use this to get elected. And hopefully the people of Pennsylvania are seeing through that and are not going to elect him because we need that state and it's so such an important state for the whole country absolutely and being a yinzer which is a term for a local pennsylvanian pittsburgher i can tell you we are seeing through it and i know you have to run so i just wanted to get one more take from you real quick what what's going on with herschel walker in georgia and all that nonsense down there i mean uh, Raphael warnock is clearly the better candidate by far it feels like herschel walker is being used by these gop you know senators and, and congress people it's just a very sad state of affairs what's happening there but how do you think that election is going to break uh, I don't, I, I mean, in Georgia, my bigger concern is the cheating. You know, I mean, I, I don't know that we're going to have a fair election in places like Georgia and Florida because of the gerrymandering that's been taking place and the cheating and the preemptive, you know, hiding of ballots and ballot boxes and all of that. So that's a huge concern. I mean, obviously, on a yes, the Republicans are using any person of color they can get to run to say, okay, come on. But Herschel Walker, I mean, is just, it's like a walking dumpster fire with everything that comes out each day. So I can't, I can't imagine that the people of Georgia are going to say no to Raphael Warnock and yes to Herschel Walker on election day. If that, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I can't imagine that that would happen, but, but I mean, he's digging a pretty wow. big hole for himself that might be too hard to get out of. And that's my hope. And my hope is that their cheating doesn't work just like it didn't work in 2020. I know you have to run. I just wanted to mention this too before you left. Your tour is absolutely incredible. The vaccinated and horny tour. I can speak firsthand. My wife and I came to see you when you came to Pittsburgh for our, our anniversary. It was awesome. To all our Midas Mighty listeners out there, if the vaccinated and horny tour comes to you, you absolutely have to go. Chelsea, thank you so much. Any last words of wisdom you'd like to share? You know, we're only a handful of weeks away from these midterms. Any, any last thing you want to tell our audience? Um, Just, I mean, no, I just keep your like, let's just stay positive and remain optimistic. And just somebody said they sit in positivity. They're resting. They're resting. Um, their resting attitude is positivity. And I was like, Ooh, I like oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I think I'll try that. That's not a Kardashian colloquium. That is a Chelsea Handler <laughs> colloquium. Everybody visit ChelseaHandler.com. Get those tickets to the vaccinated and horny tour coming to a city near you. That's ChelseaHandler.com. Chelsea Handler, truly an honor to have you on the podcast. We, we're so Thanks, grateful. guys. Congrats on everything. Thank you so much. You're the best. Thank you. I mean, come on, everybody. Chelsea Handler on the Midas Touch podcast. What'd you think, brothers? What an interview. What so an interview great to have it. I know that my fiance was most, out of all of the guests I've had on this show, my fiance was most excited about Chelsea my, Handler. My, my, my wife, the same. This is I, I think this is the first show she's ever listened to. I'm going to tell you guys a secret <laughs> that, I, that I didn't tell you when we were doing the interview. My wife. You can't see that I have like a little corner right here. She she was actually sitting right next to me while we did the interview because she wanted to hear Chelsea. 
I've been getting See, messages I'm... during while I was talking and doing, you know, the the Ben legal analysis. <laughs> I got Chelsea, Chelsea. We want Chelsea. I'm like, I'm trying to break down the law first. All right? <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to break down the law, but Chelsea was trying to lay down the law. I, I, I mean, go. she's great. And go, Jordi uh, obviously went to the tour. If you have an opportunity to go to the vaccinated and horny tour, check it out. Chelsea is absolutely hilarious. Go to ChelseaHandler.com. Also, I just want to say if you want to support you know we do this all by ourselves you are looking at the team right here ben Brett and Jordan, your favorite brothers and so salty you, and adam salty and, salty and adam salton who by the way did our rapid response video which we'll maybe show in a bit of tim ryan within four minutes while we were doing Jake. the podcast <laughs> unbelievable we'll play that soon for more context for you but first i want to say if you love this show if you love the midas touch podcast you love what we're doing at this media network uh, go help us out and support the network on patreon it's patreon.com slash Midas Touch. This network is more than a network. It is a community. It is powered by democracy and it is fueled by you, the Midas Mighty. So go check out patreon.com slash Midas Touch. We got all these various tiers. You get a bunch of goodies, a bunch of bonuses. You can get postcards from the brothers. Hey, one of the tiers, you could even become an honorary producer of the Midas Touch podcast. Don't worry. We won't put you to work, but your name will appear on this very podcast that you're watching right now. And I just thank you to everyone who signed up. We have over 1,600 people have signed up in our first couple wow. of weeks of this to support independent media. So thank you thank so, you. so, so much. Patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Go there, Go set now. it now. Also want to tell you guys about Aspiration. You know, Aspiration. when we find sponsors, we always, yeah. <laughs> we always try to find sponsors who align with our values. And I can't think of a better partner than Aspiration who just so clearly aligns with our values. When it comes to saving the planet, we need to be clear here. There is no neutrality whatsoever. And if you keep your money in most standard bank accounts, they're lending your deposits out to fuel and oil. You might think, oh, I just have my money in investments. You are actually helping these fuel and oil companies. But- you need to switch to the planet side and get Aspiration. Aspiration is a climate-friendly alternative to big banks. Get an account and debit card that's built to help your wallet and the planet. Moving $1,000 to an Aspiration Plus account has the same impact as driving 6,000 miles less. That is massive. Aspiration is a fossil fuel-free and lets you plant a tree by rounding up with every swipe of your debit card. Aspiration has been hard at work, helping people align their money with their values, funding the planting of over 100 million trees. No, that's not a typo. On their way to funding the planting of one billion trees, once again, not a typo, by 2030. It's no wonder why Forbes, Nerd Wallet, and the Penny Hoarder recommend aspiration for the eco-conscious. I mean, I care about climate change because it is really everything. We cannot survive in this world if we do not have climate change under control. We have all these bad forces trying to destroy the climate, but you could do your part with aspiration. And best of all, there's no credit check, no overdraft fees and with aspiration. You just pay what you think is fair, even if that's zero, because money should not stand in the way of you doing the right thing. So, so make your dollars make a difference. Open an Aspiration account at aspiration.com slash tree. That's right. It's aspiration.com slash tree. tree. And tree, move tree. your money out of fossil fuels. Help save the planet with your Aspiration debit card. Open your account at aspiration.com slash tree today. Tree, tree, Once tree. again, that's aspiration.com slash tree. Tree, just one tree, tree slash tree. tree. Terms and conditions may apply. Aspirations, not a bank. Deposits are FDIC insured up to $2 million per depositor. Brothers, what else we got today? We got President Biden's approval rating rising to 48% in a new poll by YouGov America and CBS. Jordy, you wanted to say something? 
It was 47% last week we did the show. We're, we're, we're ticking up, brothers. <laughs> we are ticking up. But if you look at this time period of pretty much all presidential administrations, Biden is like by far, I mean, you know, for all of the talk about it, like, you know, in all of the media's attempts, not just to both sides, but really just a constant barrage of like attacking Biden, like the, the, the media is that's why we created this unapologetically pro-democracy media, because the doom and gloom of the media intentionally trying to undermine the administration. But here you have it. YouGov America poll, CBS News poll, 48% approve, 52% uh, disapprove. And, you know, I just think that, you know, to get to that other 52% disapprove, you just got to go and, and show the policies. I saw this meme and I got to go find it again. That listed like every one of his accomplishments. And I don't know if you do it. It was like literally like 10,000 oh, yeah, things yeah, that one. were listed on it. I'll, I'll do you one better. If you're watching right now, we're going to post this video tomorrow. We posted this video on our Twitter, but we'll put it up on the YouTube. Antoine Seawright, Democratic strategist. He laid out beautifully all of the accomplishments that President Biden and this Democratic administration has been able to put forward in these two years. I mean, it's really, really incredible once you go down the list. I mean, we're talking the PACT Act. We're talking the CHIPS Act. We're talking student debt relief. You name it. And he lays this out perfectly in about a three minute clip. And by the way, he left some things out intentionally because he could have kept going on and on and on. So check that out. We'll throw that up on our YouTube. I don't know, maybe tomorrow at some point, but it's on our Twitter live right now. And like I said, enough with the doom and gloom. Nobody likes people who are doom and gloom. You know what well, I like, Jordy? Brett, what's the thing? Brett? I was just, I was going to say, here. here's the thing. We have all these polls coming in. They're all over the map, right? You see trends of Democrats performing better in the polls. Generally, if you look at the politics averages of the poll, if you look at the polling averages, you see Biden's approvals gradually increasing, increasing, increasing. Occasionally, there's an outlier that shows a swing to the other side. Occasionally, there's an outlier that shows Democrats crazy in the lead. You can't view any of these polls on their own. You need to look at them as kind of averages, right? But in addition to that, you need to understand that this election is not a typical election. It's it's not. And we've already seen it. As Jordy's dog is, is walking in the background. He looks cute though, Mello, walking in the background. That's great. He was scratching um, at the door. I love Mello. He's the best. Um, so what, what, what you got to realize is with these polls, um, it's it's not a typical year. And so we've seen Democrats overperforming all across the country after row. So you really need to take all of these polls with a grain of salt. And what we need to do is we just need to show up and vote. Like, honestly, they do not know what they awakened when they overturned Roe. They do not know what they awakened when they launched an insurrection on our government. And then they tried to lie and gaslight about this. None of this is normal. None of this has ever happened ever in the history of our country. So remember that just honestly, just blind yourself to all those other polls and make sure that you actually get out to the polls and vote. And you could do that also in Georgia. Early voting started today. If you live in Georgia, go out, send your send in your ballot. Let's do this. Let's get it done. It's what I've loved seeing about these debates, though, where you see these competent, intelligent, compassionate, thoughtful, pro-democracy candidates that the Democrats are running. And you compare it to the incompetent ass kissers of Trump, election deniers, 
uh, unintelligent, unintelligible like uh, candidates that the Republicans are running, I go back to the theme of this episode where we first began, where we began, frankly, as Midas Touch, which was always, and I say it to this day, which is funny that we are, you know, one of the top political networks is how we're branded. But like, I say it a lot, like, I don't view myself as a like overtly like political person. And there are things that I disagree with that the Democrats do. All I know when I was watching what was taking place when the pandemic hit our shores and was spreading across the world, I was like, wow, why was it? Why have I been on the sidelines? This is not just incompetence that I could turn my eyes to. Like these people are dangerous idiots. These people want to destroy our country. They, these are not adults who are leading this country. And Democrats have been running candidates who are grappling with the problems that we face are honest brokers of the problems and don't always get it right. So it's easy sometimes to criticize, oh, you didn't go far enough or, oh, you didn't go, you went too, you know, you were, your, your actions were too minimalistic or you went too far on this issue. Like when you're struggling with problems and you have to reach compromises, that's inevitably going to happen. But Democrats are leading like adults. And I mean, what we can go to the, uh, uh, Warnock, Herschel Walker debate. I mean, Herschel Walker doesn't even show up to the debate on Sunday. I mean, literally, there's an empty podium, very reminiscent of the empty podium when Chicken Purdue doesn't show up. And there's just like an empty, like they, you know, th th this empty podium just says so much. To be much. fair, he was, probably, he was probably on duty at his uh, police, you know, gig or something. But then literally, to your point, Brett, in the prior debate, the expectations were so low for Herschel Walker. I mean, just think about that concept though, where you have a candidate where your expectations are just so low. Like this is the worst speaker, the worst candidate. So please, as long as you don't pull out a fake police badge, we're going to call you the winner. Like that was literally the expectations. Just don't pull out the fake police badge. Like, like you almost think about the satire comedy show behind the scenes. Like, you know, just don't pull the police back. I'm going to pull it. Don't pull the police yeah, You back. could see it in V, right? By, by you the could way, see it if that was an SNL skit, you'd be like, that's silly. No one would ever do that. And then he goes in the question. The he asks the, they ask the question about his record of claiming to be a police officer. And he pulls out a fake police officer badge. And he had the biggest excuse not to. And, you know, his campaign was like, we even made the rule no prop so you wouldn't bring the prop and you brought the prop and then you have the questioner saying, Herschel Walker, please put down that prop and he's holding it up, this fake police badge. And then he go, it's a fake police badge. It's like a, a fake badge that when you donated to like the sheriff that you give as like a fake honorary officer. And like he's trophy, going around yeah. and saying that he's a police officer with his little fake police badge. It was like, and then he doesn't show up to the bait. Anything you want to say about Walker, Brett? And then I could go on to this JD. Well, Vance since you said Brett, I'm going to say me, Jordy, because you don't pass me the mic ever. And what I'm going to say about that is I called this. I told you guys we have tape on this that he wasn't going to debate. So but he I'm 50% right. <laughs> he did because he didn't show up torn in the debates. And the other debate, he whipped out a, a fake uh, Halloween police badge claiming to be, to be fair. 500 is a great batting average, Jordy. So. Hall of Famer. I'd, I'd be on the Hall of Fame if I was doing those yeah. type of predictions. Tim Ryan, <laughs> Tim Ryan, Jade, Tim Ryan, JD Vance, number two. 
going on as we were shooting this podcast. I'll do a recap video of it. We'll put on YouTube. But Tim Ryan just has destroyed J.D. Vance in this debate. Yes. You know, he was he was I thought he did a good job in number one and he won the debate. And I thought calling J.D. Vance um, an ass kisser, not an ass kicker, was Sorry. actually the perfect summation. But Great here. Line. Here, he leaned in on that more and basically just said, look, at the end of the day, J.D., you're just someone who's beholden to Trump. You are who you are. It is what it is. You're an ass kisser. You're beholden to Peter Thiel, who's giving you money. You're beholden to Mitch McConnell. And these people, like the way he looked at him in this debate, these people are going to eat you alive out there. Just I want you to know that. I've been doing this. You're going to get eaten alive, he said. And it just a mask. It was so good. But, Brett, the big moment, this Alex Jones moment, and I want to give a big shout-out again to – our uh, editor and one of the new Midas execs, Adam Salty Salton, who's been working with us. While we were doing this uh, podcast, we were still text messaging, cutting this up with Adam, who gave it to us. And we posted it during the actual broadcast of this podcast. Brett, tell us about what was said. Yeah, well, everybody always asks, Brett, why do you have those dark circles under your eyes? And it's because we do things like that and uh, and work all night and, and constantly. During do... the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I literally, literally, literally comments all day. By the way, Brett that, that, that's a little bit of a trade secret right here. Every time you see us kind of looking away, we're, we're probably texting Salty to cut a new clip for us really quick. Yeah, that's why. Uh, yeah, I mean, when, when we say that the, the operation is is us for the media network over here, we we mean it. We're doing everything um, on the fly, including while we're doing the show. Um, but no, this is an incredible moment. I mean, basically, you had Tim Ryan, who really, uh, you know, owned this moment uh, the way he needed to, because we were speaking about how despicable it was that J.D. Vance was calling Marjorie uh, was calling um, Alex Jones credible on Twitter. Um, and, and in the midst of all the stuff about Alex Jones recently, the judgments against him, bringing up those old tweets where J.D. Vance called Alex Jones credible. I think he said he was more critical, credible than Rachel Maddow. And so during the debate, Tim Ryan slams J.D. Vance for calling this deranged, maniacal conspiracy theorist Alec Jones credible and Vance's move is to gaslight Vance. I never said that. What do you mean? I never said that. I never, I never said that. Not me. So Tim Ryan goes, I, before you get too deep into that, we'll have that tape up within 30 minutes. We'll have that tape. That tape will be released within 30 minutes. And so Adam Salton on our team got it done within four minutes <laughs> and we got it up within four minutes showing the tape of Vance saying exactly what he was denying. And we'll play that for you right now. Those young, precious babies in Connecticut, he said it was a hoax. And he went on and on and said it was a hoax. And I've met these families from, from Sandy Hook. Absolutely devastated. You lose a fourth grader to a, to a madman. And this guy says it was a hoax. Our guy, J.D., says this is one of the most credible news sources in the whole country. And he just guy, got JD. convicted and he just got sued to the tune of billions of dollars that he owes the family for putting them through this grief. And I just want people to know it's like we are running for the United States Senate. This is the highest office you could get in this country except for president. And he's running around backing these extremists, the most extreme people in the country, a guy who denied Sandy Hook. He's like, he, no, he's credible. Thank you, I mean, you don't have to. We can talk about, you know, how I got in hot water with with uh, my my uh, 
with saying that Alex Jones was a more credible source of information than <laughs> Rachel Maddow. But like one of the things that I saw in the reaction to that tweet was people are terrified of unconventional people, of people who don't think the thoughts that they're supposed to think. Supposed to think. And that to me is like the opposite of what you would want in an elite. You would want an elite that's willing to think outside the box, that's willing to say, well, maybe this is like a crazy idea, uh, but maybe it's true. Hey, brother, you're on tape, I man. I never said that, Tim. You, go and run the tape and find out exactly what I said. It'll be like 30 minutes and we're all gonna know you're lying. I never said that. Notice that he didn't actually answer the question. I didn't. And it was less than 30 minutes. We had that clip up in four minutes because of Salty. So big shout out to Salty, our editor, who's working on the side as we're continuing to do the podcast for you live. And look, as somebody from Ohio, look, if you listen to this podcast, you know, I lived in Ohio for four plus years. I freaking love Ohio. I know the people of Ohio. They're hardworking. They're amazing. They're the most kind people you'll ever meet. And I know on November 8th, they will do everything in their power to elect Tim Ryan instead of this fraudster, J.D. Vance. And I cannot wait until that day. Look, you got Tim Ryan just talking like, come on, man. Like, what are, you, what are we doing here? Like, you're running for the position of senator, and you're out there running around defending Alex Jones. Like, you realize you don't have to do that, right? Like, you literally could say nothing, <laughs> with respect, if you wanted to, you should condemn it. You should condemn it in the strongest terms because why would you not condemn someone who is defaming the family members who lost loved ones in a school shooting? Seems like a pretty obvious thing to condemn the person who's defaming it versus saying they're credible. But you go out of your way to put your arm around the most hateful and extreme lunatics in this country. Again, harping on our theme of this podcast, that's what they believe. That's what it means to be a Republican today. To be a Republican today, we need to support an individual who goes out there and defames the families who lost their kids in a school shooting. And to show our Republican bona fides, we got to say, we love Alex Jones. That's crazy, batshit, crazy stuff. That's, you know, PG Ben, see you later. That's batshit crazy stuff right <laughs> PG there. PG Ben, see you later. <laughs> yeah, PG Ben, see you later. PG 13 Ben, <laughs> welcome to the movie because that is absurd and that is batshit crazy. And that's a Republican <laughs> Party principle. That's a, they're, you know, anyway, I could go on and on and on, but I want to talk now to the briefly though about this Evan McMullen, Mike Lee debate. Um, Evan McMullen running as an independent in Utah, Democrats not running any candidate and putting their support behind a pro-democracy candidate. Because that's what we are. We're pro-democracy. That shows you the adults in the room in the Democratic Party saying, you know what? We we support a pro-democracy candidate who can win because we're all in this together and we can't lose a seat like this. Evan McMullen has been doing very well in the polls. And I'm going to do a recap video on this debate. But Evan McMullen has been like destroying Mike Lee. Mike Lee pulls out that little pocket constitution. And Evan McMullen's like, you know what? You've been doing that for several years. Stop using our constitution as a prop. It was such a perfect, flawless execution. Did you see Mike Lee wrote an op-ed about Mike Lee? 
And like they tried to kind of uh, like like I saw this being posted. Um, it was in the like the Utah Tribune, and it was an opinion. Here, here it is. Opinion: Mike Lee has earned a reputation as a principled conservative, a principled conservative. And you read it, and it's like a glowing review of Mike Lee. Mike Lee serves as a United States senator representing the state of Utah since taking office. Senator Lee has earned a reputation as a principled conservative, and it goes on bullshit, 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 bullshit. And then you look in, and it's by Mike Lee. Like the guy wrote they a have about no himself. shame. They have no shame. They're such a sad, pathetic group of individuals. And that's why I just know. I, I know the American people are smarter than this. I know that we're better than this as a country. That at the end of the day, we say this all the time. We like leaders who lead. We don't vote for leaders just because we vote for leaders because we know when there are issues at hand, they'll be the right folks to solve the problems. That's why we're done with the Trumps. That's why we're done with the Mike Lees. That's why we're done with the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Lauren Boberts. We want real people, real competent folks who could help us in times where we need them to lead. I tell everybody, go check out those videos that we've been doing. We're on part four of our series about uh, Republicans leaving the party because it's been uh, overrun by MAGA extremists. You will see thousands of comments. This is one of the reasons I love YouTube. I love the thoughtful responses that we get and people sharing the stories, even of people who remained in the Republican Party through January 6th or who stayed there before the pandemic. And then they just said, you know what? I am not just leaving this MAGA Republican Party, but I am voting blue down the whole ticket until this MAGA extremist is run out. Because at least when it comes to Democrats, I know that they're going to at least abide by the results of an election if down the line I don't like the job that they are doing. At least they are adults in the room. And look, I think Democrats do... Um, a very, very, very good job on a lot of issues. But most importantly, I just want adult leadership who who doesn't gaslight, who takes the issue seriously. And, you know, and, and, and is, is that too much to ask? And I'm glad we went full circle in this pod with that theme. I want to tell everyone, though, right now, all of our YouTube uh, watchers, do me this favor. Wherever you get your audio podcasts, please subscribe as well on the audio. That helps with our audio algorithm. Even play the YouTube video, you know, the podcast a little bit on the audio so that you can listen to it while you're walking and leave a five-star review as well for the Midas Touch podcast wherever you get your audio. And for all of our audio listeners, go over to our YouTube and subscribe there. Let's uplift and build this community together. Additionally, everybody check out patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Now that you've watched this episode, one way you can give back as well, and no pressure, but one way no matter where you are in the world, I get asked this all the time, what can you do to help grow this platform? We have no outside investors at all. And the way we're powered is by our democracy and by you. And so if you want to help grow this network, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. Join one of the exclusive membership packages. In some of the membership packages, you could become an honorary producer of the podcast. Others, you can get postcards from me and my brothers. There's others that you get behind the scenes footage. There are certain exclusive podcasts at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. But I think 
most importantly, it's a way to help grow this network no matter where you are. You listen to it all the time. It's part of your daily routine help grow this. And that's just one of the way we stay 100% independent. We have lots of people who want to invest and we always turn them away and say, absolutely not. We're not looking to, if there's any strings attached, we don't want it. We are doing our thing. So one of the ways you can help out though, is go to patreon.com slash Midas touch, help us reach our goal of hitting 2000 patrons and help us reach that goal today by heading to P A T R E O N.com slash Midas Touch right after this episode ends. Patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Sign up no matter where you are in the world. And also check out store.midastouch.com for the best unapologetic pro-democracy gear out there. That's store.midastouch.com. Get the gear. And I want to say this about the Midas Touch community. What I love about our community, I love the thoughtfulness. I love that the community is uplifting each other. I love that it is the exact opposite of MAGA. (laughs) I love that while MAGA is a community of hate and harm and mockery and harming each other and spreading lies, we espouse the truth. We look to be as intelligent as we can. We don't profess to know everything, but we try to do our best to always get it right. We are we strive to be compassionate at all costs. We uplift each other. And that's what I love. That even if, you know, setting aside me and what the brothers do, I love that the community reaches out to each other. You know, I saw somebody recently on Twitter, for example, express that they were going through a real rough time. And immediately I saw all of the Midas Mighty and all the members reach out and say, you're really valued. We care about you. We're here for you. We love you. You know, just keep on keeping on. And and we, you know, we definitely get that you're going through a hard time. And I just we just want you to know that you got people here for you. And it's not just a Twitter thing, you know, it's not just a YouTube thing, even though we have some of the largest followings on all those platforms and TikTok and Instagram. It's really about the community that is in our country and throughout the world of people who just go out there, support democracy, are passionate, and who act, who are active, and who go and help register voters and and go out there and support democracy and do the hard work and roll up their sleeves. Because the power of this community, which is you know in the hundreds of thousands to millions, has an exponential effect when you all reach out to others. So share the videos, share the podcasts, Make sure you're active. That's how you can help as well. Final words, Brett or Jordy? Final words. I, I mean, I can't say it any better than you, Ben, so I'll just turn it over to Jordy. I'm just going to say, I know we want to get rid of the filibuster, but if we ever needed a Democratic filibuster, Ben would be freaking amazing at it. <laughs> as always, shout out to the Midas Mighty! Midas!